Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hey, everybody. This is the Logistics of Logistics podcast, and my name is Joe Lynch. Today, I've got an excellent guest, Ryan Schreiber. And Ryan is here to talk to us about the right talent, recruiting, training, and retaining that right talent. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. I think it'll be a given the amount of prep we put in. I think it'll be a great conversation. (laughs) Yeah, but most of that was us just Shooting the something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, I'm really looking forward to doing this podcast. And I should also Me mention that Ryan and I are both quarantined like most of the world is right now. If you're listening to this in six months from now, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that coronavirus. But it is a thing today. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's going to forget about it. You know, this is a like watershed moment, probably, but. Yeah, and if there's a whole bunch of coronavirus references that no longer make sense, just pretend they do. <laughs> and we'll try and make sure this doesn't turn out too dated, right? Exactly. So Ryan is one of those guys that I really wanted to meet in the logistics business. When I'm on LinkedIn, that is my home away from home. And I would always see Ryan's articles, his comments on other people's articles. And then, I don't know, a few months ago, I saw somebody listed or asked the question, who should I know in logistics? And I think Ryan's name came up about four times in that short list. I was like, I got to get to know that guy. So I've always known the guys over at Carrier Direct, and I never knew Ryan. So I'm happy to get to know him. So Ryan, I know you, but please introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And I'm glad to be connected and know you as well. I followed you for quite some time. Ryan Schreiber, the Director of Engagement with Carrier Direct. Carrier Direct, a company that work into technology delivery and management consulting firm. And essentially, we just help companies improve their business. And like whether that's growth or keeping more of what you have, we focus exclusively in freight and transportation. And essentially, we do that in three ways. Traditional management consulting, technology strategy, and custom technology development. That's Carrier Direct. Yeah, it's a great company. Everyone I've ever met from there has been very sharp. It is a smart group of guys over there and gals. That's why I joined the company, I would say. Yep, yep. So tell us a little bit about you. What did you study? Where'd you grow up? All that kind of stuff. I uh, currently live in Chicago, Illinois. I grew up in Tampa, Florida, went to college in Tampa. And then I, where I studied history, which was a particularly useful degree. And then I went to law school at Michigan State. Uh, that was my, how I moved to the Midwest. Go came to the Midwest. Go white. Uh, <laughs> I came to the Midwest because I had never seen snow. And I thought to myself, like, I always, <laughs> oh man, I've seen it now. So people think I'm a little bit crazy, but then I moved to Chicago after law school and, and then I got into logistics. Yeah, so you went to a a number of logistics companies, and I know when we talked offline, you said you had been part of a number of startups and even had a few of your own startups. Tell us briefly about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I start, you know, I got out of law school in 2009 and, you know, everybody remembers what that was like. And so a big part of my story is that I literally pounded the pavement and that sticks with me today. I mean, I I dressed in a suit and tie and I walked around Chicagoland, walked into businesses and just with my resume in hand and said like, hey, will anybody talk to me? And no one would even talk to me, unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose, depends on how you look at it. So eventually you like, you know, hustle, you just hustle and you figure things out and you figure out 
out what you're going to do. And we'll talk a little bit about hustle today. And I eventually ended up at Echo in a sales role, making $30,000 a year with $200,000 in student loan debt and just put my head down and worked hard. So over the course of the last 10 years or so, like I said, I started my career at Echo. And then over the course of nine years that preceded that, I started three companies in the space and exited them in different ways. I started a company called Optimal Freight with really like an industry legend, Noam Frankel, who was one of the original backhaulers guys, along with Paul Loeb and, and Jeff Silver, helped him grow that business. And then I left. I started another business, Spartan Logistics, which is a truckload broker here in Chicago. And built that business and handed that off. And then most recently, I started a tech-enabled broker, applying natural language processing to the space to drive efficiency. And Joe, like that's really what's going to kind of factor into our conversation today because we built everything. We built technology with people at the center. And that's where I really really, really got my hands around how people are the most important thing. And we see that all the time at Carrier Direct too, that like great people make the biggest difference. Yep. And you know, all of us love technology. It's would be stupid to say you don't love it, but there is something about making technology work for people and having it be that right mix. Mm -hmm. One of the things that drives me crazy, I advise a lot of shippers and I work with a lot of 3PLs is it drives me crazy when I hear people say, well, you don't need to talk to us because we have this system or sure. you'll get an automated message. And I always think, yeah, you know what? There's so much nuance lost. Just, you know, we might have wasted some time in the prep when we were doing this, but we got to know each other. And I, right. I have some reference point, And I think I know what you're passionate about. I know what you know. And you shared some things that I, I wouldn't have learned. That can't happen in an email. <laughs> well, it certainly can't happen in an automated email, right? And, right. And we, we have all of these systems. And so great technology is built to solve business problems. And that starts with the human. And I know that's not what we're talking about today. But, you know, these big systems, we spend a lot of money on them. But at the end of the day, people still send emails. They still text each other. They still pick up the phone and call each other when they want an answer and they want an answer quickly. And we have to incorporate that in technology. Right. So today's topic is the right talent, recruiting, training, and retaining with Ryan Schreiber. Ryan, let's get into the topic here. When you say the right talent, what do you mean by the right talent? Well, you know, it's very specific. When we talk about the right talent, we specifically do not say the top talent. And the reason for that is just like any other buzzword, the term ends up taking on a life of its own. And, and top talent is exactly like that. At some point, I'm sure that top talent meant something specific. But today, all top talent means is what looks good on a resume. And the right talent needs to be your focus because it's about looking inside your organization to solve the problems and to build the organization that you have. And I'll give a couple of quick examples. You know, Magic Johnson's inarguably one of the best basketball players of all time. And if you ask me the best, but I'm a Spartan, you know, and if the Chicago Cubs sign Magic Johnson to play center field, how well is that going to work out, right? right. Uh, you know, an even better example might be Babe Ruth plays center field, right? If the Yankees had traded for Babe Ruth and put him in center field, that trade doesn't look the way that it does. The Boston probably looks out like they came out like gangbusters. And so they're inarguably top talent, but they just don't fit what those organizations were trying to do. And that's why it's about finding the right talent. Yep. And I should also mention that my good buddy, Mike Monson owns top talent, the recruiting company, mm. <laughs> and, and they really do find you top talent. And it's interesting though, to that point, Mike owned a freight brokerage. So right. when somebody says, get me a guy, he doesn't look at a resume. He says, I'm going to call Ryan. I'm going to call Joe. I'm going to call guys I know. Right. And that's why he can provide the top talent. Yes. Yeah. He's from this space and he specializes in that. 
Well, he's going to find you the top of the right talent, right? I mean, it starts with finding the right talent. And part of that is how well they are as compared to their peer group. If you're recruiting for a freight brokerage and you are a cradle to grave freight brokerage and you go and hire a customer sales rep from a Coyote or an Echo, which is a buy-sell freight brokerage, they're going to struggle mightily in your operating model. That doesn't fit. If you're a trucking company and you do tanker and you go and hire a bunch of drivers who are used to driving drive-in and have no tanker experience, they're not going to do as well because tanker is different. It's a different business. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And there's, there's a lot of nuance within our business. You know, when somebody says, I sold LTL versus truckload, yeah, Absolutely. there's a difference. Or transactional versus strategic, big difference. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. So now that we understand what you mean by top talent, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. What are the biggest challenges you're seeing with recruiting the right talent? You know, most companies, as they scale, have had success by kind of winging it, right? Joe, you and I actually talked about this at length offline, but most often it's really hard work for a few key individuals in the organization and everybody else is just sort of drug along and there's a lot of bad hires along the way. The most important thing to keep in mind and the hardest thing about recruiting is that it's sales and you have to put your sales hat on and realize that the same problems that you might have in sales are the problems that you have in recruiting. The three biggest areas specifically for recruiting where there are problems is what I would call lead gen qualifying and closing if we used our sales analogy. I like that. And if I could just throw something in there, when you think about you've mentioned lead gen, you don't normally think of that as, you know, use that term when you're talking about recruiting. But One thing about lead gen, you write articles, I write articles, we do podcasts, we create a lot of webinars and content. And sometimes you get business from, but usually all you get is kind of an awareness. So people attend and they go, sure. Yeah, yeah, this is this good stuff. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, businesses don't do enough of is make it clear that they're out there. And I think we've all received calls from recruiters to try and recruit us to affirm that, oh, it's a billion dollar company, but you've never, ever heard of it. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that comes up in our business all the time, working with, you know, working in logistics and trucking. I'll get a call from a company that's interested in talking to Carrier Direct about an engagement and there'll be 750, a billion, $500 million. And I've spent 10 years in this industry and I've never heard of them. And yeah, it's true. And some of it's strategic for them, and, and but often it's not. So to continue on, talk a little bit more about that, the challenges you see in the recruiting. Yeah. So, you know, from lead gen, it's really about it's who to call and who to target. That's about, again, about looking inside. Before you can attract the right talent, you have to understand what talent you are targeting. I'll use the tanker carrier analogy again. This is a perfect one. You're a tanker carrier. If you start calling on produce markets to try and generate business, even if you close that business, what the F are you going to do with it, right? So like, as you think about sales, your salespeople are calling on targets that make sense for you. You need to be thinking about that in recruiting as well. Qualifying is going to be interviewing. So let's assume that you've looked inside, you've figured out what the right talent looks like for you or what the talent you're looking for is. The biggest miss here is around standardization and being able to compare apples to apples when you're interviewing so that you can actually measure those results over time and figure out if you're getting better at actually identifying the right talent in that qualification process. So things like, you know, interview guidelines are big there. The last thing I'll say is closing. Again, this is sales. Always be closing. 
the journey, what, what's the journey you want your customer to have in working with your account, right? It starts with the first sales call and it goes all the way through to onboarding and all the way through to operating the freight. And the same needs to be true in recruiting. You need to be thinking about how you are treating candidates as they move through to give them the best experience possible because this is the first experience they have of working with your company. And even if you're going to wash out 90% of them, they need to have a great experience. Yeah, you know, and this is getting back. I'm going to show my age a little bit, but I remember creating a nice resume. Uh, We all work on it for so many hours when you're looking for a gig. And I remember going somewhere and they said, hey, this is a nice resume. And then they pushed across the table a form that I was to fill out. That had all the same information. Yeah, yeah. And, And so now instead of having a nice typed up resume, I have got this handwritten application. And I remember as they're telling me how great they are, all I kept thinking is, I just submitted this thing. I did it in pen. So there's scratch outs sure. and, and I write big. So stuff is in the margin. And I thought this is not presenting myself. right, yeah. But it also kind of made me angry with them. Like what kind of low tech shop is this? Why am I, why am I filling out an application? And, well, if you're going to waste you, my, they t- called me, I'm saying you called me and you wanted me to come over and jump through burning hoops. I mean, that's even more true now with the internet and LinkedIn. I mean, some of the best recruiters that I know that are external recruiters, they're coaching their clients on, you know, why are you asking for a formal resume? Like we have LinkedIn. This is a huge reason that LinkedIn exists as a business. You know, if you're going to waste my time filling out this form of paper, what else am I going to be wasting my time with when I work (laughs) here? Or if you're terrible at recruiting, you know, the biggest miss here really is in communication. If you're not communicating with me through the recruiting process and you're not like meeting your deadlines or your follow-up, commitments. What's it going to be like when I work here? How are you going to communicate with me as an employee? Right. And that's my experience when I start working with you. Yep. You know, another thing, and I know it's less common than it used to be, but it's still fairly common in this business is you get on the phone and you make a hundred phone calls a day when you start. And I know I talk to a lot of companies usually saying we got to find more sales. That's my, that's what I do. And one of the things a lot of them say is we hire 10 guys and nine of them wash out. Mm-hmm. And I say, why do they wash out? And they say, well, because they don't make enough sales. And this is this is what I say, and I feel very open and honest about it now. It's not their fault they didn't succeed. It's your fault because yeah. you recruited them. To, and you don't have a sales process that you could make work anymore. And you said, oh, just get on the horn. And you go, yeah, you made phone calls in 1992 and it worked. <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't work the same way. Right, right, right. Well, and that goes to, I talk a lot about like, do what other people aren't doing. And that's what'll make you successful, right? And like back when, you know, to your point in 1980, like the difference was entirely around effort. There wasn't as much strategy to how to connect with people because you didn't have email. Sure, maybe you could like, if you knew their fax number, you could send them a marketing fax. You could send direct letters. Like big things I'm a big fan of today in sales are like handwritten notes. Send a handwritten note because people aren't doing that anymore today. I actually like making cold calls today because people aren't doing that. So it's really like today it's different. And so figure out what people aren't doing and do that thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, I think you're also spending too much time recruiting people. If you don't know how to make it work with them, stop hiring. Figure out a better recruiting process before you figure out the recruiting, figure out how you're going to sell more. Well, right. And that goes to training. Yeah. Yep. Which is the next topic. So talk a little bit about the training, some of the challenges you see, some of the opportunities you see in the market. 
I mean, the challenge is that people aren't doing it. And even if you hire an experienced person, like they need training. I like to say, there's two things I like to say about training. Number one is training. It's not just for new hires anymore, right? But you need to train every single one of your employees, even if they're new hires and even if they're experienced to do what you do. Effective training really breaks down to three types, new hire, ongoing and developmental. And companies are not doing the second two at all in mass. And very rarely are they doing the first effectively. Effective, you talked earlier about hiring less if you do a good job recruiting. Training is the biggest input to that. Effective training, and you know, we hear all the time, hey, I can't afford to have somebody off the floor for six weeks or eight weeks to train them as a new hire. But really effective training leads to greater buy-in and more productivity and a faster ramp so that at some time in the future, all of those employees are more effective and you are hiring fewer people overall to get the results that you get. We're also talking about buy-in from the organ, like buy-in and retaining talent, which is another one of these. Training of all three of these types are huge inputs to that. Yeah, if I could add something into that is I went back to school in my 30s and got my master's in education. And so I learned some things, but I'd already been through a lot of training. And one of the things that hit me is the lip service that is paid to training. To some extent, Ryan, I could cut, let's just say I went to work for you and I'm a new sales guy. And you say, yeah, Joe, I'm going to send you off to training. I'm going to send you to one of the offsite. Well, if I get trained on something that you don't believe in or that we don't do here, did that do me any good? No, of course not. And when I do sales training, I always say to the who's ever buying it from me, I want you to buy in. I want to make sure that what we're doing, you reinforce because the training is either, you know, this eight hour or 16 hours or a lot of the training we do is at, you know, over six weeks or eight weeks. That is great. But if the manager that you're working for doesn't reinforce it or if it's not applicable to your job then it was just a waste. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you're training on, the, to your point about training on the wrong things, if you're training on ideal state and that doesn't match the realities of what's going on on your floor, you did waste that time training, right? If you're training on process that doesn't actually exist, if you're training on how to use the system that doesn't actually exist, and it's not even just the managers reinforcing it, but the other seat level employees, if they say, yeah, we don't actually do it that way, here's how we do it, they're going to look to the other people around them for how to do it, Right. And that's really like, that is a huge part of it. And that actually goes to ongoing training, which is the second type of training that we talk about, which is continually reinforcing and retraining people on things that are core to their job. Joe, you're in sales and I'm in sales and we get coaching on an ongoing basis, sales coaching, which is really training, which is really ongoing sales training, right? You do that for people. And that's really helping upskill them in the core functions of their job. And that's a huge part of it too. Don't just tell them when they start what to do and how to do it, continue to reinforce those messages and upskill them so that you can get them deeper and deeper and deeper knowledge because they're not going to retain everything from the first day or the first six weeks. Right. Now, what else is throw this out there, Ryan, is that, and this is a little self-serving, but I'll say it anyway. Go for it. You should have sales training or all your training should be from someone within the industry. The nature of sales is you could go sign up for sales training and say, yeah, Ryan, I'm going to send you the sales training and maybe it's offsite and you're sitting there with a guy who sells appliances, guy sells cars, one guy sells technology and then you're sitting there going, what am I doing here? I want to work with somebody for you right. guys. You can say, I want to work with somebody who is specific to my industry. And when it comes to our industry, when we talk about sales, I was the general manager and COO of a little logistics company. We did a great job. We killed it. And we did LTL and truckload and small parcel. And we did a really good job on it. I was very proud. But here was the challenge. I came from automotive. I was mm-hmm. doing supply chain stuff. I didn't know too much about ocean freight. 
I should have. <laughs> I didn't know too much about warehousing. I should have. We don't get trained enough on this business. If I'm supporting a supply chain and I'm selling logistics services, I should know about warehousing. I yeah. should know about all the modes of transportation, at least on a cursory level. I should understand warehousing. I should understand the technology side. We don't give that to anybody because I think for the most part, even senior management in our logistics companies don't know what other companies do. Absolutely. Well, this is where, again, like recruiting and sales are the same. It's all sales and all recruiting starts with the journey of the target. So if you're in sales, it starts with your customer's journey, or at least it should. And in recruiting, it starts with your employee's journey and that's what really makes a difference. And so I agree with you. Like you need to know what your customer worries about. And that's the biggest difference between great sales and not great sales. Like the last thing I'll say on training quickly is about developmental training. I mean, how many lead, that's the third bucket of training. How many people get put into leadership positions who've never managed anyone before? And they're just like left to figure it out and fail. That goes to your point, Joe, about like, it's your fault that they failed. It's not their fault that they failed. If you're not doing these three types of training, it is your fault that your managers aren't good enough. It is your fault that your salespeople are not hitting their targets. It's your fault that your operations folks or customer service folks are not following the right process. And if you're losing people because you're not developing them and showing them growth, that's your fault because you didn't do what you needed to do to really help make them them better in the long term. Yep. And these are all great points. Great points. And I agree with you. We don't do enough training. And I will add one last thing, Ryan, is there's a lot of new assessment tools out there and not everybody does things the same way. We have different strengths and weaknesses. I've had Ann Homel on my podcast quite a bit to talk about different people's strengths and weaknesses. What you really want to be able to do is use some of those assessment tools so that the training and the development and any coaching you do becomes customized to that individual. Because Yes. You need to meet people where they are. You need to meet people where they are. Yeah. So I've always said this, like if I take someone like Ryan, who should obviously be customer facing and I say, hey, Ryan, I got this great gig for you. You're going to be you're going to be doing some analysis and analytics and you'll be back in the back room like a troll. That would be a a horrible place for him and he would be miserable. And I wouldn't be maximally effective. Right. And so you might find yourself in that job. But if I, as an employer, don't figure out, you know what? This guy in the back room's got a big personality. I got to get him out here. And maybe he'd be happier. So if you don't do some of these assessments, personality assessments, and there's a lot of the stuff out there. And again, Ann Holman, I use a lot of them. You're going to miss out on the full development of your people. Yeah. And that's part of the right talent, right? That's part of finding the right talent. The right talent for that back office role is not somebody who wants to be in front of customers and wants to be shiny, as one of my coworkers says, right? (laughs) Exactly. So Ryan, before we leave this training and development, talk a little bit about coaching. I appreciate you bringing that up. I like to give people things that they can do right now to make a difference in their business in every single conversation that I have. And coaching is something that you guys can focus on right now who are listening to this podcast. You might think you're doing coaching right now, but you're probably doing it wrong is the biggest thing that we see because coaching comes with a knowledge share. And it's not a step-by-step how-to micromanagement that really leads to the success of coaching. Too often we see managers stop at communicating what the output needs to be. Employees are not 
missing targets or not doing what you expect them to do because they don't understand the output. They struggle with how to get there. And coaching and development is sharing tips and tricks. And then the most important part is following up. So don't tell somebody what buttons to click to get there. Here are three to five ways that I've found success reaching the goal that you want to reach. Try those. And a week from now, let's talk about it. Coaching something that needs to be happening every single day and the how-to nature of it is what keeps it from being micromanagement. Yeah. Yeah. And that also speaks to a little bit to the relationship. If, you know, when you're coaching and training, especially if it's a one-on-one, if I feel like I'm going to ask this question and Ryan's going to freak out because he realizes I don't know what I'm doing and I get fired because of it, <laughs> then that that is obviously in my mind. So what you want to be able to say is, yeah, I've developed a little bit of rapport, a little bit of relationship, which is part of that coaching. Absolutely. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. So, we talked about recruiting, very important. We talked a little bit about training and development and coaching. The last bucket we wanted to talk about was how do we retain the right talent? There are really two buckets here. The first is going to be culture, and the second is going to be like growth or advancement. And culture isn't pizza parties. I love pizza parties, but culture isn't pizza parties. The number one challenge to culture is openness. And the best and easiest way to really keep that right talent is at the very, very, very beginning. If you start by acknowledging this is likely not your employee's last job, if you acknowledge that up front, you can work backwards to what their last day at your company looks like and what success looks like. Like, be open about this, right? Remove that stigma. And if you do that, like, you create a culture where people don't look outside when they feel stress. They look inside and say, how do I fix it, right? They don't look to leave. They look to solve it because there's not fear around the fact that maybe at some point this person, I as the employee, won't be here anymore. I like to say that, you know, the conversation around quitting or like moving on to the next opportunity really needs to be, hey, boss, like I really don't want to leave it here, but I have X opportunity and I can't pass it up. And then the employee goes and describes his or her opportunity. And then the boss says, you know, Tina, I really, really don't want to lose you, but you absolutely have to go do that other thing. That is what a successful relationship looks like. And the biggest input to retaining the right talent is that openness of saying, let's work backwards from what your last day looks like. Yep. And Ryan, we talked about this offline. A buddy of mine worked at Cooper's Library. I forgot who they got bought by, but they were the big six accounting firms at one time. And I had a friend who was there and every year at Christmas time, they had an alumni party. And everybody who had previously worked at the firm came back. Well, since they were a very desirable place to come out and work, usually they had a lot of young guys who jumped in at age Mm -hmm. 22, 24, and worked there, and then eventually landed in top jobs elsewhere. And what was interesting, he said, when you go to those alumni dinners, it's inspiring because it's the who's who of industry. And Mm -hmm. get business from them because that was part of our cultures, realizing we're going to be known by our alumni. And I think what a great thing to say. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that what your employees feel like when they are no longer with you says everything you need to know about what type of culture you have. You can talk about having a great culture, but if I call five people who used to work at your organization, if four of them say it was the worst place ever and one of them has good things to say, that tells you everything you need to know, right? Yep. I'll tell you, what's a little different. I worked for a Silicon Valley company years ago, and it wasn't all wine and roses there. <laughs> but when we were all leaving, we got very nice severance packages then, and they included a form that said we wouldn't disparage the company. And I wouldn't anyway, but they were so generous on the way out the door that I was like, yeah, you know, all the things that kind of went wrong. Yeah, those happen. Those, it's not that anybody's fault, really. It just happened. But why would I ever say anything bad about these guys who were so generous with me on the way out the door? Well, and, yeah. And, and ideally, you get the, you know, a good taste in your mouth about the whole experience. But in that case, they solved the problem with a little more money on the way out. <laughs> well, the reason that openness is the number, and, and I'm not using transparency intentionally. I'm talking about openness because transparency sort of has a, a meaning to it that I think is, again, it's one of those buzzwords that's taken on a life of its own. But openness, people tell themselves stories. And if they're missing information, they're going to make up a story for themselves. And it is often going to be one that you don't like. And so being open with people about what's happening, what's going on, what their journey at the company is like, how things are impacting them, that creates a culture where when you look back, you feel like you are a part of every decision, even if you weren't, right? Like even when things happened that you didn't like, because you were open with each other and you were open with your employees about the things that you were facing and the decisions that you were making and what their journey would be like, they have a much different recollection of how those things went down. Yep. Ryan, I think one of the things we talked about a little bit offline is how do I manage a star? And I'll give a perfect example. I think of you as a star. You work at Carrier Direct. Thank you. Now, in the old days, you would have said, oh, no, no, only the CEO and public relations has communications out with the outside world, right? So and I still get that from some companies. I want to interview my friends from the, and they're like, oh, no, only the CEO speaks for the company. And yeah. I always think to myself is, you're a great speaker. You're an interesting guy. You would quit a company that wouldn't let you grow and speak at conferences. And, you know, as soon as I say, you know, you got to take all this through PR, you'd be like, no, I I'm not a child. I want to play that way. How does a company go about managing a star? Well, I think that, again, like that goes back to identifying what the right talent is for you. Like I have no problem with companies that say that they want PR to take a look at everything or marketing to sign off on everything or only the CEO can be the one in front of everybody. But that's why I wouldn't be the right fit for those companies, right? And if they recruited me, I would, it would be frictionful for both of us. So that's why it starts with what, you know, identifying what the right talent is. But, and, and I appreciate you saying that I'm a star, Joe. You said you wouldn't come on my podcast if I didn't say it. That's true. I did. I I, I am I am in total transparency for everyone listening. I'm paying him to say that. You know, th that's that really goes back to the opportunity for growth and advancement. And so people want to be on a mission, Joe. And we talked a lot about that offline. People want to be on a mission. And that's no different. I mean, that's not a millennial thing. It's not a Gen Z thing. It's not a it has always been that way. And whether we're open with ourselves about it or not, people have always wanted to be on a mission. Now, whether they were willing to settle for 
companies that maybe didn't align with their mission. I don't know. I will throw this in there. And we talked about this at length. I want to be on a mission when somebody says, hey, we're going to do Hawaiian shirt day. We're going to have a pizza party and we have a great culture. I always say, no, I want to be on a project that really matters to me, that has meaning. And I want to work with great guys. I want to work with a great culture and a great clients. And then when we win, I want to go out and celebrate with a few beers. And I don't want those beers to be an artificial pizza night. I want it to be... Yes, we just had a great milestone and we're changing the world. That's why we're celebrating. Absolutely. And I mean, you are the company you are, right? Like if you're a logistics company and again, identifying the right talent is finding people who want to work at a logistics company, but it's not like there are millions of opportunities to do really sexy, cool, like Silicon Valley type things all of the time. And so it's really like, how are you going to show people growth to tie it to the mission that fits your business? More money does that. That's expensive. That's the kind of the fallback, right? Oh, let's just pay them more money. But that doesn't actually show people growth and advancement that they want. Promotions become meaningless if you give it to everybody. And so people want growth and opportunity through learning is the biggest and easiest and least expensive way to do that. We talked about training, developmental and ongoing training earlier. That is a number one way that you can show people that growth and advancement, keep high performers, retain the right talent for your organization and show them the growth that they're asking for in a less expensive way. Yep. I I know you probably don't care for him because he's a Wolverine, but my friend Tom Brady, when Tom Brady... Well, he just signed with the Buccaneers, and I'm (laughs) from Tampa. (laughs) Yeah, you like that part, yeah. So what's interesting is I've watched a few videos on YouTube, and there's been a lot of articles about it. When Brady talked to... Now, granted, he's got all the money he could ever ever spend, but he wanted respect, and he wanted a great place to work, and he wanted great people around him at New England, and that became a problem. And when he went to Tampa, he said, I really like that it's, I like the players on the team, they had great, great talent there, but on top of that, he said, I like that it's fun. And they said, his agent brought up money last during the negotiations. The money wasn't the problem. Which is easy and, for Tom Brady to say he has a lot more money than he has a lot more money than us. But you know, Tom's always say like Tom Brady is a perfect example of somebody where like money is not the thing. If you make money the thing, money becomes the thing. Tom Brady has always taken less money to be in New England because winning was more important to him. But most importantly, they had created a situation where winning was the likely outcome if you buy in. So you have to do your part as an organization internally to set up people to win. And then they will feel on that mission, right? If you set up the mission correctly, they will buy into the mission and be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. And I I hear he's a millionaire anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that. (laughs) So this is great stuff, Ryan. Thank you so much. So we've covered a lot. Why don't you summarize this for us? The summary here is this. Technology is really important, really great. I spend a lot of time talking about technology and I'm incredibly passionate about technology. People remain at the center of business and good technology is built with humans in the center. And so that starts with recruiting, training and retaining the right talent. Recruiting the right talent is, first of all, identifying what the right talent is for your organization so that you can target them. It's qualifying them and being able to compare apples to apples and then selling them, which is giving them a great experience in the recruiting process. Training, just do it. Stop making excuses for not doing it. Yes. (laughs) Do more of it. Do all of it. Do new hire training and then do it. And then training. It's not just for new hires anymore. Really invest in ongoing and developmental training. Always ABT. Always be training. 
Today, start, start coaching your employees. Give them tips and tricks and follow up with them on how things worked and help them iterate. They are not not meeting their goals because they don't understand what needs the output needs to be. They're struggling with how to get there, not how to click the buttons. And then to retain your talent, be open with them. Be open with the fact that this isn't going to be their last job so you can create that culture and remove that fear and create openness within your organization. I love it. Show them opportunities for growth and advancement through investing in them as human beings in ways that aren't always best for your business, like developmental training. Yeah. So much of this just kind of comes back to like empathy. How do I want to be treated? You know, how do I want to be treated during each one of these phases of my career? Being recruited, being trained. Do I want to be trained? Yes, of course I do. And do I want the right training? Yeah, of course. And then this retaining piece. I love that piece. It's amazing how frequently we lose sight of the fact that like our vendors, our customers, our employees, our people, because we spend so much time trying to figure out how to win. We get so far down a path where we forget they're just freaking people. And if we treat them like people and we have empathy for the problems they're solving or facing, excuse me, we're going to come out better on the other side. Yeah. And we didn't mention it too much, but during this coronavirus situation, I think I just saw JB Hunt just gave a big bonus to drivers. What a fantastic idea. My daughter works for a Silicon Valley company. They gave them two weeks pay to everybody in the company. And the reason they gave it is they said, we know everybody's struggling right now. And a lot of people have maybe their spouse lost their job. Even if you didn't lose your job, you still have struggles. And I thought, what a fantastic idea. And then in the same email that they said, we're giving you two weeks pay extra. They also said, we're setting up a fund to help anyone who's going through some real hardship. And I was thinking, boy, what a great way to retain people when you do this, where you say, this is how much we care. And not every company has the war chest to do that, but you can do things that are like that. Culture culture is the informal stuff. Every single owner of a business can pick up the phone and call their employees and just say, hey, how are you today? Like no agenda, no anything. I just want to know how you're doing today. With the coronavirus especially, what challenges did you face today? You know, and how can we help? Exactly. And it's the little things. It's again, it's just the Tom Brady thing. It's it's the little things like respect costs you nothing. Being open, being a human, being a good person to work with. Those are the little things that keep people happy. Yeah. And treat them like people. I hope Bill Belichick's listening. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) So. Ryan, this has been great. I do appreciate you taking the time. Tell us a little bit what's what's new over at Carrier Direct. I know a lot of people are struggling with this coronavirus, but tell us what's new over there. And you know, if people want to continue the conversation with you, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, Joe, I've really enjoyed the conversation and the conversations leading up to this as well. Yeah, I mean, things are really up in the air and, and changing right now. So our plans on where to find us are certainly kind of constantly moving. I have another podcast coming up with you and Ann Holm around sales coaching, yep. uh, which I'm very much looking forward to forward to. April 9th, I have a webinar with Stiefel Investment Bank talking more about the technology side and setting up a technology strategy. So I'm really excited about that. We'll be doing something for Freight Waves Live, a little bit to be determined. We're constantly publishing articles on Freight Waves as well. We'll be doing several education sessions at TIA. And then recently I've launched a series we're calling Carrier Direct Office Hours, where I answer questions about some of the, the kind of current challenges that people are facing inspired by the coronavirus. But it seems like there was a real opportunity there to say, hey, what are the challenges you're facing today? And how can we give you some tips and tricks? I was just going to say, Ryan, one of the challenges I think 
the whole industry has. This is the nature of work is we've got our head down and we're booking loads, right? And you guys are thought leaders. You guys are talking to a lot of different companies about technology, about transforming the industry. Most of us are day-to-day not involved in that. So I think when you mentioned office hours with Carrier Direct, I think that's a fantastic idea because- Thanks. You guys are the ones who can say where I should be next month and then six months in a year when I've been too busy, <laughs> maybe running my yeah, business, right. try not to not to have all my shipments fail. Well, it's also an opportunity to say like part of the reason that people forget to treat people like people is their heads are down in their business all the time. It's an opportunity for me to say, hey, here are some things that you're not thinking about that'll help you lift your head up and see the forest for the trees. Yep. So I will put those events you talked about. We'll put a link to all of those in the show notes. And Ryan, thank you again for taking the time. I know uh, this is very valuable information. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing all of y'all on LinkedIn, which is definitely the best place to find me. (laughs) As as you know. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. All right. Great. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.